everyone, thanks so much for watching or listening to today's message online. We're in week two of our series, How to Win as Parents and with Your Parents. And we're going to do a deep dive today into that relationship between parent and child. And I'm guessing if you stick around, for you parents, you're going to have some aha or maybe even some uh-oh moments as we go through today's material. And for the kids or those of you who don't yet have kids of your own, or that's just not in the cards, as you think about that relationship and as we talk about it today, my guess is you're going to have some aha moments where you think to yourself, that explains it. Because as we look into some of these truths, they'll really help us to navigate and guide ourselves through this relationship even better. And some may say, win. So the good news, um, the good news, or maybe depending on your parenting style, the bad news, uh, the good news is I have yet to have a conversation with a child who has grown up to be an adult who has said to me, Taylor, the reason that I have problems in my life is because we only went to Six Flags and I have never been to Disney World. I've not had that at least yet, Um, nor, and this could be even more interesting news for you, nor have I ever had somebody sit down with me and say, Taylor, the reason that I have problems, the reason we're meeting today is because I missed a dance competition in sixth grade, because I missed basketball practice, because my parents bought me a used car, because I went to public school, because I didn't get to have that friend over that one day for that one hour that I really, really wanted. I haven't had that. So depending on your parenting style, that's either good or, good or bad news. And we're going to talk about, actually, um, I don't know if it will be next week or the following week, we're going to talk about this balance in life and experiences and versus relationship, all that kind of stuff. Um, but rest assured, rest assured, um, those things are not a deal breaker for your relationship with your kids. Now, the reason, though, that I have seen or I have had conversations with some um, now adults, then kids, as we all tend to do, um, the reason that I have seen issues or there are issues, a lot of times they sit down and we sit down across the table from one another, and and they might not even know it or, or say it as clearly, but underneath so much of it, the issue, the real struggle, the cause of some of the problems in their life have a lot to do with the relationship between parent and child. This thing right here, and if you were here last week, this is a familiar look for you, except it's just fixed this week, which is really cool. Um, but uh, that how key this is in how this child grows up and the, the problems and, and, and challenges that they face. But on th- also, on the flip side, I mean, we got to be honest, um, this could also be the reason that things turn out well, that I get to sit across from people, and they're good, wholesome, solid people that, can, that um, have— um, that are confident in their life and kind of know where they're going is because of this relationship. There's good and, and bad on, on both, both sides. Um, and and where, wherever you sit in the spectrum, because I know for some of you, you're more on this end, that you're not in the parenting stage of your life yet. But I just want to make sure that, and I said this last week, that this is correctly defined, at least for the remainder of this series, that when we look at this parenting role, we look at it in a very generic sense, that it isn't just parents, it could be parent. It doesn't just mean uh, that um, it's someone that has a biological connection, it could be adoption. It could be a guardianship. It could be a close family member or a friend. Really, anyone who steps into, even for a season of time or a short time of a child's life, into this influential parenting role where there is more of a parent-child relationship. And honestly, most of us are going to experience this in some way or another throughout our lives. And so this is why I think this is important, because this will make a big determination how this ends up here. 
this has a huge impact on how one day your child will become a parent or become an adult and some of the things that they go through in their life. Now, I will be honest, and I said this last week as well, uh, full disclaimer, I am not a marriage and family therapist, okay? That is not my, my thing. I'm a pastor, and so I'm going to speak more from that perspective. Um, but we do have a list. If, if something comes out of the series and you're like, hey, you know what? We really should talk about that. And uh, though we like Taylor, I'm not sure that he's professional enough. That's okay. I won't take offense. I'll just send you the list of recommended counselors. You can go to one. I think it's really, really helpful to do sometimes. But my goal today and through this series is to help you navigate and guide yourself through this relationship better. Now, I also want to uh, acknowledge that for some of you, this could stir some things up that make it really difficult for you to come back next week. Um, because we're talking about something that could have some really emotional sensitivities to it. So my ask is before you walk, we talk. Before you walk away and avoid the series, walk out of church altogether, that we just sit down, not so that I can change your mind, but so that we can grow through this experience, because there is a lot to unpack in that, and that's what we're going to do. Um, we're going to talk specifically today about this, and we're going to get really in-depth, as in-depth as I can get in about half hour, 40 minutes, um, because this relationship is so important, and I want to, as the series says, help you to win as parents or with your parents if you're not in that season of life, okay? Wherever you are, whether you're a parent or whether you're a child. Now today, as we work through this, today is a note day. And I really don't say that very often. We have a space on the back of your programs. Today is a note day because I'm going to like pour out a lot of information at you and you may get to the end and like, what was that that one thing that he said? And you can always go back and watch it and listen to it later, but I think there is something valued valuable, at least research suggests, something valuable to actually write in down as you learn it. And so I don't say it a lot, but I'm just saying as we work through some of this Bible stuff, this research stuff, and this personal experience stuff that, that I have a little bit with so far, um, that, that you write, write it down, okay? Now also today, parents, fair warning, this is your fair warning, you may have today some aha moments where some things are going to click, and then you could also have some uh-oh moments, and it's not because I want you to feel bad, or I, know, I don't want you to be regretting decisions that you've made in the past, but I just want you to know some things and be aware of some things to help better this thing wherever you sit in this role. And kids, if you're more in the child, like you're not a parent yet, or you're not in that season of life, today you're not going to have so much of the uh-ohs, you're going to have probably some more aha moments, where it's like this explains the nature of my relationship with my parents or parent at this point in my life. And here's the thing, though. When I stand up here and I, and I teach, I don't want anything that I ever say to be used as a weapon. Especially in Christianity, we're kind of familiar with this because a lot of times people will use that thing called the Bible more as a bat. More to try to get people or, or kind of push them into submitting to an idea that they may not even believe in quite yet. And they use it more as a bat. And I just want to say, Jesus never used it, Scripture, as a bat. He always used it to help people and to love people better. And so I don't want you to take anything that we're going to talk about this week, we're going to talk about more next week, as a weapon against someone else. I don't want you to get on your parent, call your parents up as soon as you get out in the parking lot and like, listen up, here's where you went wrong, okay? Please don't do that, okay? This is to help your relationship, that thing, get better, okay? Now, to jump into today's material, we're going to look at one of these parent-child relationships that's about 3,000 years Old, okay, between a father and a son. Specifically, we're looking at a guy named King David, 
okay, who was a very, very, very famous king. If you grew up in church, you've most certainly heard about him, or it's a familiar name to you, King David. He was a famous Israelite king, um, and he was famous for many, many reasons. He was famous because he had fantastic character, other than a couple hiccups throughout his, his leadership. He was a warrior king, and he had great success on the battlefield, and his nation, the nation of Israel, prospered under his leadership. And to give you an example of that, if you can imagine kind of the state of Israel today, this was the state of Israel during the time of King David. It's honestly even a little bit bigger than modern-day Israel even is today. Through various means, King David was able to expand the kingdom for the first time into areas that they had never known or, or had control over. And so he was very well respected. That throne was a big deal at this point in the story where we're picking this where we're picking this up, okay? Now, he had many children. He had many sons in particular. That's because he had a lot of women in his life, okay? One of uh, the most famous women David had in his life, you might know of her. Um, her name was Bathsheba, okay? And some not-so-good things happened in that, in that story, um, but uh, that's not the son we're going to talk about today because her son was named Solomon, who eventually became king. But before we even get to Solomon, as the book of First Kings, so if you wanted to follow along today in, in your version Bible or your Bible app on the Infuse app, or you brought your Bible maybe, we're going to start in First Kings chapter 1. The story picks up before Solomon with a, a, a son of David's named Adonijah. That guy, Adonijah, okay? And uh, from a different mom, as, as we'll read in here in just a second. The thing about Adonijah is at the time of this writing of 1 Kings, right at the beginning of it, Adonijah was the eldest son. And that generally meant, not always, but generally meant that they inherit the throne. And this was all, by the way, happening in about 970 B.C., so about 3,000 years ago. And here's why that's important, because sometimes I think when we think Bible— we, we have to, um, a lot of times, imagine it because most of us have never been there to see it. And so in our imagination, we kind of think of it more as in terms of a fairy tale than an actual series of events. But it is undeniable that there was a King David. And because there was a King David, most likely, archaeologically, there was a son named Adonijah. Because why would you make it up? It's just not worth it. Why would you take the time to document it? And so this is a relationship between father and son, 3,000 years old, that you're going to sit there as I read this, and you're going to be like, wow, that feels like it could happen today. Or for some of you, you're going to say, I think that is happening in my life today. Okay? So here's how this goes. Um, The the story begins in 1 Kings uh, verse 5. About that time, David's son Adonijah whose mother was Haggith, began boasting. Because the question is at this point, who's going to take the throne? Because David is not doing well. David's sick. He's not, it's not great. That's the, explained in the first four verses of this chapter. And so it comes to this moment where Adonijah thinks to himself, well, the throne is about to be opened, so I got to take it. Now, I think to just make this a little bit more interesting, it is Instead of reading this, I'm not going to read this. We're going to read this next uh, like little uh, statement that he makes together. But you gotta you gotta say it out loud with a little attitude, okay? You, you tracking with me? Little little tude on it, okay? All right. So we're gonna, I'm on the count of three, and then you're gonna just get your best attitude out. Maybe you need to speak a little louder than you normally do, and we're just gonna say this with a little tude, okay? Got me? You do not seem excited. Okay, we're going to do it anyways. Here we go on the count of three. One, two, three. I will make... Wow, 
First row, really weak. I feel like some people in the back were getting into it, but that's okay. Okay, you got to say it with a little toot because I think there was a little toot. I mean, this kid's a little presumptuous, I would say. A little arrogant, I would say. Here's what he does next. Um, The author goes on. So he provided himself with chariots and charioteers and recruited 50 men to run in front of him. You know how I said sometimes it's imaginary? Well, there's other sources, um, especially like up north in the Assyrian Empire, which on that map would have been up here, where people who wanted to be important would hire people to run in front of them. Like, oh, look at me. Look at me. That kind of thing, okay? He was doing the same thing. He, he figured if I look like a king and I act like a king, then I'm going to be a king. That's not always how it works. And instead, I think, as you may be thinking to yourself as you're looking at this, like, that kid is a, because he's probably like 18 or something at this, this time in the story, um, that kid's a little bit of a, you know, turd. I don't know. You, you pick your word, okay? What were you going to say? I don't know. Okay, but better not. Better not. Okay, so he's kind of a, okay, all right. And this is, then the next verse is why I just like love reading the Bible, because um, it's one of those verses that you're going to read it, and you're going to think to yourself, uh-huh, that, that makes complete, absolute sense. In fact, it explains why Adonijah's a little bit of a, okay, and it's so real. You're going to sit there, and you're going to be like, this is just absolutely has got to be true, okay? Here it goes. Now his father, King David, had never, what? Disciplined him at what? Any time, okay? Parents, time out for a second. How would you like it if for the next 3,000 plus years, people read about your parenting failures? That's King David for you. I mean, get this, the author, this is what I love, the author was like, listen, I'm about to tell you what's going to happen in the story, and he goes on to, and you can go home and read the rest of 1 Kings chapter 1, and you'll, you'll hear it, and it's just an absolute mess. And, and the author's like, time out, before you get too carried away in the story, I just want you to know why it is that the problems that are going to come up are happening. And it's because there was no relationship between David and his son. David was not coming in, like we talked about last week, trying to guide his son in good relationship, good values, and to provide his son with boundaries, essentially to discipline him. And then he goes on, just in case you didn't understand. He says, even at any time, even by asking him, why are you doing that? Which is something we've all done. You, you've all looked at a coworker, a roommate, a friend, or your child, and just look at them like, why'd you do that? You know, it's like, where does, where does it even come from? Or you turn to all the parents around you and like, that's not me. He got it from his dad, right? Okay? And the author's like, he didn't even do that. Like, nothing. Not even a stop it, a no, nothing. So here, before we continue, I just want to clarify this word right here. Because a lot of times we think this word is like, time out. And we're going to talk about this. But this word, I, I hope that you will clarify this in, in thinking not like this is a spanking or a time out or, or something like that. You would think of this discipline as teaching good relational values. Teaching good relational values. And it makes sense by the end of this. But when, you, when your child does something you don't like, like you don't just, just stop it. You say, we don't hit people because it hurts them. And you explain it. Why? Because you want to teach not just that it's bad. You want to explain why. You want them to learn. You want them to grow. That's healthy discipline. 
Don't tell lies. Okay, why don't I tell you lies? Because it hurts the relationship. In fact, it practically breaks down the relationship. It breaks it completely apart. So, so that's why we don't lie. Another, you can think of discipline as if you've ever met a really disciplined person. You would describe them as someone who just kind of, they're on the path, they're focused, they have their boundaries, they know where their goal is and their future is, and, and they're just so focused, right? And, and there's, there's a natural respect we have for people that are like that. That's the kind of discipline that we're talking about. We're talking about when we, when we honor our father and our mother, it's like, we're just on that. No, we don't stray off. We're just, we're disciplined. We're focused because we know the consequences and we know why it's good. So why? Just a question for you. If you're here or online even. Why didn't David start to discipline Adonijah right then and there? Author saw it. If the author saw it, then most likely everybody else sees it, right? I mean, you can see lapses in other parents' parenting a lot better than sometimes they can even see it themselves, right? And kids at like 18, why didn't David just jump in right there and start disciplining him? Follow-up question. Make it maybe a little bit easier. Would it have mattered much? I'm seeing some heads shake no. No, it wouldn't have. Why, right? Because, because the window for that has kind of come and gone. And so I wanted to illustrate this to make sure you get it. I think you get it. It's kind of intuitive. But I wanted to bring along a, a little illustration here. Okay, in this bag, I'm not going to get it out because then it's going to be all over my fingers and all that jazz. Okay, this is dough, okay? Um, I'm so incompetent at cooking, I even had Stephanie make me dough, which is practically just water and flour. But anyways, so that was nice of her. So this is dough. Okay, think about this. Now, dough, um, what is dough? Dough is malleable, right? Dough changes, Dough is influenceable. You're kneading it. You're, you're forming it into the end product. You're not, you don't see the end product yet. You have a vision of what it looks like, but this is the beginning stages of it. That process of molding this dough is the thing that David didn't do. I mean, question for you. Did David, did David parent with relationship in mind? No. He didn't. Did he discipline with relationship in mind? No. The conduit between kneading this dough into the final baked product is what we call relationship. Relationship. Now, when it gets to the end, okay, when it gets to the end, what do you got? Loaf of bread, Walmart, one dollar, good deal, okay? Parents know it costs a little bit more than a dollar. But anyways, okay. Baked bread. Okay, what is the properties of baked bread? It's a little harder. There's a crusty outside. Softer inside, but crustier outside. Why? Because it's already been shaped. It's already been baked. It's already been produced. So if David, who's, who's looking at the whole situation, and he's looking at Adonijah, who's in this stage, saying, maybe I should discipline, it's not going to work, right? Because as soon as you start making trying to make changes, what happens? Tears start to show up, right? It starts to break things because the individual has been formed. I'm afraid that window, that phase of time where this is so important has kind of already passed. I'm not trying to make you feel bad if you're like looking at it and like, this could be my life. That's not at all. But I think when you understand, you have the opportunity to make an impact, not just in your relationships currently, but in other people's as well. And this is so absolutely important. That's why, that's why kids, you may feel like sometimes your, your parents are pushing and bending you in ways that are just not natural. 
And it's probably because it's true. Because they're still in this phase, and you're in this phase. And you just know it, right? You just, you, you just, there's something inside you that knows it. In fact, I think most parents know it too. But they just haven't transitioned to this point. And I get it. Listen, parents, baking is messy. You're not going to get it perfect the first time. Sometimes it takes some trial and error. But if you focus on that relationship and structure and building that and teaching that, here it will pay dividends in the long run. Because, listen, there is a recipe for baking bread. You can do it a thousand different ways, but roughly you cannot get away with it without some key ingredients. And I think one of those key ingredients, as we're going to really focus in on today, is discipline, is this stage throughout their development, okay? So I'm going to expand on this recipe a little bit, and I'm going to do it through this graph, and, and, and we're going to use this graph next week as well because I think it's just so good. This is not something I came up with. In fact, I really don't know who came up with it. I've just heard it from other pastors and other people, um, and I think, honestly, it just came from experience. But when you look at this and we talk through this, you're going to be like, this makes sense to me, okay? That discipline, starting somewhere in one and a half, two to five, this is your key time not to punish But to teach relationships, sure. Could that come through something that feels like to a child like punishment? Sure. But that's not the point. The point is that you're going to be forming them. You're going to be teaching them about boundaries and values and helping to knead that dough into something that's like bread. Okay? Now, secret for you. Parents, if you didn't already know this. Your child wants this. Your child actually needs, and I don't use that flippantly. It's not a want, it's a need. They need this. Especially when you get into these years, and we're going to talk about this. They may push back, but it doesn't mean they don't need it. And I'm not talking you have to be like a drill sergeant. No, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about teaching relationship. This is the foundation. This is undergirding everything that you do everything that you do. And this is where David went wrong. And this is why it was too late. You couldn't do anything about it. This is, this is why. Now, then uh, when you get into the 6 to 11 year range, and again, this is not like cut and dry, like, oh my gosh, sixth birthday, we got to move into training mode, okay? Yeah, come on. Take this all with a grain of salt. There's going to be overlap, and there's going to be, it's going to change, and it's going to look different. But this is like, I mean, just think of a, a sports, okay? Think of athletics, if you're the coach of the team, parent, right, and your, your child is, like, playing on the team, okay, and you're in training time, what is the most important, like, uh, uh, relationally um, present where you're, like, right there walking alongside your team, uh, your team, um, the, the members of your team? What, what is that period? It's, it's your practice time, right? Right? Coaches, the good coaches are right in there with their team. They're demonstrating, they're showing, they're helping. That is that time. That is the there's uh, um, your, your uh, oh goodness, training wheels. Your training wheels are on at this point in the relationship, okay? You're riding a bike, yes, but you're not without your training wheels. Then you move to the coaching years, 12 to 18. This is those teenagers who are rebellious. This is the time, like, I feel like most parents, like, dread, okay, to some extent, or at least kind of feel like they have to mentally prepare for, okay? This is the stage where you have to move more to the sidelines, Not because you don't care, but you have to start letting the world, the natural consequences of the world, ding them up a little bit. That's what a good coach does. Because if you're playing football, right, 
everybody's out there, and they're getting a little dinged up, okay? But they're learning, and they're growing. And you're not, not there. You're just on the sidelines speaking in. It isn't that we have a timeout, and we come over to the side, and we talk about it. We go to the locker room. We have a more in-depth talk about it. It's not like those things aren't happening. It's just that in the, main, like the main game, you're kind of more along the side. Now, if you try to put discipline into here, guess what? One, you still need it. It's just going to look different. It's just going to look different. We're going to talk about that, okay? But it has to look different because you're not in these years anymore. You may still dip back to that, but understand that there are seasons for a reason, that these phases will change for a reason. And then you're going to get to the friendship years, or I, I hope what's essentially the, the golden years, where you've looked, you get to sit back and you say, I've guided my child through this entire experience, and now I get to enjoy the fruit of that relationship. And, and, and um, uh, some of you know, um, some of you have experienced um, and realized that some tension with parents comes from, and some of your kids, this is like an aha moment for you, some of that comes from the fact that um, you're supposed to be in friendship mode, okay, and your parents are still here, yeah? It's, 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 and it's just too much of a gap. It's too much of a leap between phases. It just, it just doesn't function anymore. And I'm not saying this isn't um, this isn't going to have, like I said, overlap because, listen, there's going to be a lot more coaching in this year, okay? But eventually when they're 30 and 40, you're really too far away from that to some extent. But at least know that there's a rough kind of look at how to break down these and, and how to dip into these phases as, as you parent, okay? Now, some of these, I want to just acknowledge, some of you for parents, some of these phases are going to be more natural for you than others, okay? Dads, you, I, I think just normally we think we got to step it up in this, this realm right here somewhere in there. Okay, this is where we got to bring the hammer or something, okay? I, I'm just letting you know that you have to be present throughout. This may require you to learn and adjust your comfort level to be effective in these different categories, okay? Just because you're not comfortable doesn't mean they don't need it. You feel me? Okay, we're going to move on because I got to. Okay, so we're going to talk more about this next week, and we're, and we're going to jump into this um, as well. Now, uh, uh, one thing that I will say is if, if you're not, not a Christian, um, you don't have to kind of tune in so much for this next part, but I'd invite you to at least consider what this would look like for you. But for the Christians, you don't really have a choice so much in, in this one because as we focus on discipline for the rest of today, we just have to kind of open the B-I-B-L-E and start reading, especially the first half at Old Testament, and we realize pretty quick that this is a big deal to our Heavenly Father. Because practically for the whole Old Testament, you got God's children sinning left and right, like sin here, sin here. What's sin? Sin is missing the mark with God. Sin is when you're hurting God, you're hurting others, and you're hurting yourself. Not good, okay? And what did God do? Did God say, oh, no, that's fine. You guys just go have fun, you know, enjoy it. You know, life will teach you the lessons that you need. No, God got engaged and God had some discipline. Now, some of us have experienced that um, just, I think, more through the lens of like bad Christianing, like Christians who are just not doing a great job of communicating. Um, and so we think God was a mean God. God wasn't a mean God, just like you're not a mean parent. You're just in a discipline. You're in this teaching, this very important kneading of the bread stage of life, okay? And that's why um, the, all, this, all this sinning that's going on, that's why it breaks your heart when you see it as a parent. 
That's why it breaks your heart if you're not a parent, you're watching it on Facebook, you're seeing this relationship between father and, and daughter or, or mom and son, and it's like, oh, you know, he, he got into, involved in drugs and all this, and she was heartbroken, and, they can't, and you just, it just breaks your heart. It breaks your heart. Maybe it even broke your heart because you were that person and you, you broke other people's heart and it makes you feel bad. And I just, I just want to acknowledge that it makes people, it, it breaks your heart because the relationship was broken. And God was so broken by what his people kept doing. Like this, not honoring God and not honoring your neighbor. This is the greatest commandment. Jesus taught us this. Or this is pr- practically the summary of the Ten Commandments, all 600-some of the laws, including the Ten Commandments. This is it. And you break it, and you don't honor it. we got a problem. So God comes in and says, i got to correct this. i got to fix this. And that's what I would encourage you to do. When you go home today, sit down with your spouse or, or think about this. What does it look like? For us in our home, and we're still working on it, right? We're on the, such the front end of this. But this is, this is it right here. This is what it comes down to. Practically, we'll have one rule in our family. Are you honoring God and you're honoring your neighbor? Are you honoring your mom and you're honoring your dad? And if you're not, we have to adjust. For the sake of the discipline? No, for the sake of the relationship. For the sake of the relationship. What was God trying to do? God was trying to restore the relationship. That's what discipline is. I'm going to restore the relationship. The whole Bible is this right here, restoring the relationship. Or if you're Christian, another term may resonate with you, redeem. Trying to redeem the relationship. That should be the heart of discipline. Honor is broken. I'm going to come in and I'm going to redeem, restore the relationship and instill the correct values and explain why. Now, um, I want you to think back now to when you were a kid, okay, for a second. What was that thing, like, if your parent was present and they were, like, watching you, okay, and you had a bad idea, and then you decided that you were going to carry out that bad idea, okay, and then they watched you do it, all right, and you were about, just, just about to commit that just terrible, terrible act, I don't know, whatever it was, what was the one word that you would just hear yelled out across the room at you, the one word, two letters, anybody? No. Yeah, somebody got it. No. No. Now, in this vein of restoring the relationship, in the vein of discipline, as we've been talking about it, how effective is it? It's easy. Don't get me wrong. You're tired. You've been working all day. It is really easy to just say, no. But is it relational? guess what? No. (laughs) No, it's not relational at all. Listen, because no, and you know this, no may work for a time, but it's not going to work forever. Why? Because it doesn't include the relationship. That's why it doesn't work for the long term, okay? That's why it doesn't work. When it's relational, though, then you get to start talking about the internal decisions that kids go through to make those external bad choices. Then you get to ask the questions, why did you do that? Just ask, hey, why did, where did that come from? What's going on? How can we talk about it? How can I help you? I'm going to listen. I'm going to teach. I'm going to instill good values. A little bit of an ironic story. Um, just this past week, uh, my mom was watching Elia, and uh, they were, they were um, she was in the high chair, and she was feeding her something or something. I was kind of observing while, while working. And um, Elia is, is in this phase of throwing things off the, off the um, 
edge and food to the dogs and all that stuff. So she takes off her bib, she rips it off, okay, and she just flings it, okay? And my mom jumps in and she says, no, 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 no. And then what do I do? I turn to her and I said, mom, I appreciate it, but we're trying to explain to Elia at 16 months why her decisions aren't good, okay? And she looks at me and she says, yes, Taylor, I understand. That's probably the better way to go. To which I then thought to myself, nice, who's the parent now, okay? <clears throat> no, but now listen, Elliot, 16 months, does she really understand fully even like 90% of what I'm explaining to her, why we don't throw the bib, because dad then has to pick it up and that's not fair to dad. No, she doesn't. But what am I doing? I'm preparing, I'm disciplining myself to learn how to discipline my child. I'm learning to discipline to the extent of the relationship so that way from day one she just has this built in. I'm not just saying no, I'm helping her to explain why her decisions have consequences on others and consequences for herself. And that we through this experience can build our relationship more deeply. And this, my friends, takes work. You can't just say no, it's too easy. But if you take the second to process through, think through how are we going to restore the relationship from this point forward? Listen, you can take some time. If some transgression happens, especially in like teenage years, okay, this is, discipline's still needed. Restoring the relationship is even almost more crucial in that, those formative years than anything else. You have to get creative. That may take some time. We're used to parenting, grounded, done. I'm saying, dis, uh, we got an issue, wait a couple days. Talk it over with your spouse, a friend, your parents, and figure out a relationally restorative way to discipline your child so that they can learn. Don't just take things away. You can, but I'm just saying that, that taking things away, unless it is related to the actual act or the transgression that your child commits, has no connection. That's not how the real world works. I mean, imagine if you showed up tomorrow and your boss came in and took your stapler and then said to you, that's for last week, and walked out. You'd be like, what? I don't even know what I did wrong. Like, I don't even understand. How can I do better? It doesn't make sense. But yet, for some reason, we've bought all into the idea or we've been taught that that's how you discipline. Imagine if your boss walked into your office and then just sat there and all day just watched you and all you ever heard come out of their mouth was, nope, 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 no, 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 no. You just, you look at them like, what did I, imagine if that went on for all week. Their mind, their boss, maybe you have a boss that does this, I'm so sorry. Uh, <laughs> you're just sitting there by the end of the week like, I don't even know what's the problem. And yet you're like telling me I'm doing it wrong. No, because it doesn't work. Because it doesn't restore the relationship. It doesn't help us grow. So let's stop doing that within our own relationships. Our goal, remember, our goal is to restore the relationship. Restore the relationship. Listen, when you get into these coaching years, these teenage years, and you have something go wrong, I'd really encourage you, um, again, I honestly, I, or I understand I'm not there yet, so I haven't lived through that season, okay? But just imagine what would happen if you heard of a transgression, okay? Your child, like, misbehaved in class and, and just was very rude to the teacher or something like that. And they came home, and you confronted them about it, and you're just like, wow, you know, I can't believe, you know, you're a good kid, and I just can't believe that you did that. And then they're expecting their punishment, and you say, well, I'm going to think about it for a little while. And then you wait a day or two. 
And then you sit them down. You say, I'm ready. I'm ready to, you know, to, to have, uh, we're ready to, for your punishment. And uh, let's, uh, let's get, get in the car, get your money. And you go in the car and you drive to Walmart or wherever. You make them with their own money pick out and buy a card for their teacher. Go home, write an apologetic note intentionally without your help. They can sit there until it's done. And then, this will really get them, then get in the car early on a school morning and drive into the, the teacher's, and go into the teacher's office and have them hand the card and sit and apologize to the teacher. Now, I'm just letting you know, the teacher may pass out completely. I don't know, okay, but you need to be prepared for that. But, I mean, just imagine, one, your ch- child's sitting there like, this is the worst, but they're learning to do something that you and I, you know this because you live every day with friends and relationships that go unresolved. I think a lot has to do with the fact that we don't think in terms of discipline as restoring the relationship or redeeming the relationship. But I think we can. And I think if you have an opportunity to speak into the lives of other people, you have an opportunity to step into that parenting role at any point, you know that it could make a difference. It could make a difference. Now, parents, let's just be fair. Parents. What if you, mm -hmm, what if you wrong your kids? What if you, maybe through today or some experience that you have, you realize, I might have not done that well. I might have, in fact, I might have sinned against my kid. I might have unnecessarily been strict. I might have gotten, I've lashed out in anger more because of my issues, not theirs. Stop. Think. Restore the relationship. Stop. Think. Restore the relationship. If your heavenly father, and this is why it's such a big deal for the Christians, if your heavenly father looked at you and you did everything wrong, he didn't do anything wrong, you did everything wrong, yet he came to you and said, I want to restore the relationship, that is incredible. We have to take a page out of that book, go to our kids, because we are our father, because we are the mother, because we are the parent, the guardian, whoever that is, we go to them and we say, just like my heavenly father resolved, redeemed, restored our relationship, my relationship with him, I wish to restore the relationship with you. Stop, think, take the time, figure it out, restore the relationship. But there's a catch. There's a catch. You can say this with a little attitude, too. You've got to rede- mean it to redeem it, okay? You've got to mean it to redeem it because you know, and kids, if you've ever been a kid, all of you have been kids, you know you will see through the holes in a parent apology. You will see through the holes of your parents, won't you, if they don't mean it. You've got to mean it to redeem it. If you don't, there will not be any redemption. There will not be discipline. There will not be parenting. And there will be a struggle in the long term when the bread's been baked. Now, you're not on your own on this. Not only do you have a church around you, pastor here for you, at least as much as I can be, but you also have a guide. We talked about that last week. That to be the guide, you've got to look to the guide. And Jesus, on the cross, is a perfect guide. Jesus, on the cross, meant it. There was no take-backsies from the cross. He wanted to come and restore the relationship, and he did, and he meant it, and it was a game-changer. 
And I think if we begin to think of discipline and we think in this, this framework along those lines, it will be a game changer in your marriage. Think about that. Stop, think, redeem the relationship. Stop, think, redeem the relationship. In your parenting, stop, think, redeem the relationship. If you're a child and you're looking at your kids and you're looking at your parents and you're like, looking at that graph, Taylor, I know exactly where my parents go wrong and all that. Fantastic. Go write it down in a diary, okay? And then you be the one to go and try to restore the relationship. And it may not work the first time, so you may have to try again and again and again and again and again. And we're going to talk about relationships in our next series um, starting in June called Bad Blood, so you'll understand it, and I'll give you more practical tools to how to do that. But it will be worth it, and you will not regret it. It will be worth it, and you will not regret it. And this is why following Jesus is so awesome. Because you can redeem things, you can restore things, you can bring life to what's broken and dead. It's pretty awesome. So here's the question I want to leave you with today. Am I restoring the relationship? Am I restoring the relationship? in my parenting, in my life. If you aren't convinced enough, just imagine if everyone in Iowa, Johnson County, in your office, decided that this was a priority for their life. It may not bring or fi- bring back the past, it may not fix the past, but I bet it can bring healing to the future. And I bet if you could imagine this world, you'd say, you know, it is, a, it is a better world. I enjoy going to work more now. I enjoy hanging out with my spouse more now. I, I don't like seeing, maybe you're divorced, I don't like seeing them still. It's still, it's still hard. There's still a lot of raw emotion in there. But I am committed to restoring that which has been broken, which has been lost, because my Heavenly Father did that for me. And we could be, or we could play a part in making this possible for future generations. Where it is just natural for the adults, 20, 30 years from now, to say, you know what, I've wronged someone. I've got to restore the relationship. Wouldn't that be crazy? Wouldn't it be crazy if you're a parent and you invest all this time and energy into your children to one day be able to sit back and watch your kids take initiative and do some of the hardest work that they will ever do relationally, and that is to restore the relationship. It'd be incredible. It'd be life-changing. And that's my prayer and hope and question for you. If you would, bow your heads. We'll pray. Sing a song and get you out of here. Heavenly Father, Lord, this is, um, this is a lot of t- stu- tough stuff, a lot of history in our lives to unpack in this. But my prayer, Lord, is however this sits with us, one, that we would, um, you know, think of it through the lens of your love and your compassion and our church's love and compassion. Listen, we're a church for imperfect people. And that, Lord, in that, it's messy. It's, it, we get uncomfortable. It's gray. It's not always easy. We've got to take things with a grain of salt sometimes. But, Lord, wherever this sits with us, that we would walk out here today committed Maybe we'd even get crazy and we'd make a plan of how we are going to go forward in our lives with our parents, as parents, to win by restoring that which has been broken. That our discipline would be more geared towards how do I restore and teach values and relationship, not just take things away. And this is challenging and it takes energy that so many of us don't have because we're so busy. 
But deep down, we know this is important, and you would help us to tease this out, heal the relationships that are broken, help us to know the words to say, give us the courage to actually do this. Lord, we pray this in your son Jesus' name. Amen.